0: Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at Mm -hmm. arborbridgechurch.com. I... I, uh... Although you may not be as eloquent as Jaeger was, just was, I hope that you are doing similar. You are taking note, or writing down, or thinking of how God's grace is, is being extended to you. Uh, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, like uh, like they mentioned, you won't pick up on it until you just have a chance to step back and think. Ah, so I want to thank Jaeger for sharing how how grace has been extended to them. Uh, I appreciate I, I, when our church family is willing to share. So great, uh, we, we need each other. You need to hear from other people other than just me. Um, so uh, you know, last week I asked I asked everyone to think about and write down how God's grace has been ex- shown to you in your life. I hope you did that. Um, I hope you're willing. Um, what, I, what I find is that when we interact with each other, and sometimes you will ask me to do something along with you in your spiritual disciplines that, that I wouldn't have normally done on my own, um, you saying, hey, Daryl, I'm fasting this week. Would you fast with me? And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. But I might do it because of you. Um, when I'm asking you to do things, we get stronger together. Um, this, this principle applies to like uh, when in fitness or working out. Sometimes you've worked out and you've, you've got to the, the point where you're going to get the strongest that you're going to get on your own. And you have to involve someone else to help bring something else in that you wouldn't have normally picked. Um, so I hope you did that. I hope you did that this week, is right now how God's grace has been shown to you. I used the example last week of how God's used my family to, to remind me of his grace. I most certainly um, have needed his grace. Uh, as a father, as a husband. Um, it is just, that it's just a, oh, it's just an understatement. My family is often very generous to me in that uh, they look past my bad and look towards the, the goodness that, that Jaeger was talking about. They look past my bad and look to that um, and remind me of that. Uh, they remind me consistently that that's what God does for me. Um, And it's just very generous of them, and it's a physical picture of what God's done for me through Jesus Christ. And because they focus... Because they focus on the good in me, they make me want to rise to that level. They make me want to be good, be better than I would be on my own. They say, I see this in you. And I'm like, I don't think that's there. But if you see it, I want to live up to it. I want to live up to the greatness that, that you, you see in me. And th- that's what humans do. Um, that's what humans do. We, we, want to, we want to live up to that greatness others others see in us because what naturally what comes naturally to me is selfishness um a, a jesus follower named paul uh who is the author of a letter that we call titus says it, says it this way he says i was foolish disobedient deceived enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures um and he says we i lived in malice and envy being hated and hating one another uh and for my I'll just do it for myself. I won't include you. I'm foolish. Let me talk, talk about that. So like when I'm in an argument with my wife and halfway into the argument, I realize that I'm wrong, but I don't admit that. I keep going anyway. That's, that's foolishness. That's idiot, this is stupidity. Why? Disobedient. I don't care what's right. Um, you know, I don't care what God calls me to do. I don't, I don't make time to read his word and know what he wants me to do. I'm just going to do what I would like to do. Um, and deceived and enslaved by passions and pledges, my, my desires trick me into believing that they're right. I convince myself um, that that, because I want it, it's okay. My desires can be trusted. Um, and in the end, they cannot be trusted. They end up making me their slave. Um, and into that mess, into, into this mess that I have going on in my life, Jesus Christ shows up. He shows up. And then God's grace appeared to me. And it says, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, not because of how good you did on the test, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Jesus saved me through rebirth and renewal. Uh, He saw that I was valuable enough for him to save and renew. It's good news. Um, So... People are often surprised to find out that I used to have dreadlocks. Um, and if you don't know, if dreadlocks is a hairstyle. Oh, you put your hair into narrow rope-like strands of hair and they're, they're usually formed by matting and braiding or twisting um, and putting weird stuff in your hair to get it to do this. Uh, so when you've done it long enough, when you've twisted your hair long enough and done the matting long enough, eventually they lock up. And you can't, you can't, you know, you can't comb them out. Um, if you've ever seen them in person up close, you know, combing out dreadlocks is not it's just not going to happen. Um, and the only way you can get them out is cut them out. You start over. You got to start over. When you get into the foolishness, uh, disobedience, deception, selfishness, desires that are part of my life, you know, you know that if you got into it, you'd be like, this, this can't be made right. We can't comb this out. We can't make this right. The only, only way is start over. Start over. And that, just at the right time, Jesus appears and says, I can't save what you've got. And, it, and often I insist that he does. I'm like, Jesus shows up on the scene I'm like, okay, Jesus, save this. And he's like, I can't save what you got, but I can make you new. I can make you new. And if you insist on holding on to what you got, I can't help you. I like to hold on to what I got. If you insist on holding on to what you got, I can't help you. But I'm willing to make you new. So once when Jesus was on earth, he was talking to a guy named Nicodemus. Some of you guys know this story. Nicodemus was a religious leader at the time. uh, Very well versed in the law, the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament. Probably had it memorized. Super smart. ton of, ton of, ton of God knowledge. Um, People are following him. uh, Just... And when Jesus meets Nicodemus, Jesus tells him this. He says, no one will see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And you... you Think about this for just a second. This guy, Nicodemus, has built his whole life around seeing the kingdom of God. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, nobody's going to see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And and Nicodemus has no idea what that means. No one's going to see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. When you, you should, this is in John 3. If, you, if you'd like to read it, you should read it. And then when you're reading it, I w- I'd love for you just to pretend that you're hearing it for the first time like Nicodemus is. Like you've been, all of us have been Christians our whole lives. We've been trying to be good and trying to do the right thing and trying to go to church and trying to do all the things. And Jesus shows up and says, okay, yeah, all that stuff that you've been doing, that's super nice. But no one's going to get to be the part of the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Pretend you're hearing it for the first, 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 first time. And see if you would know what he would mean. What what does he mean? What, What are you talking about? And often if you, if you put yourself in the position where Jesus is at in that first century, you, we would all be like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Titus three, this is what Jesus means. This is what Jesus means. This is what he's talking about. He's rebirth, renewal by the Holy Spirit. I can't depend on my strengths or my study or what I know or all the things I've done to, to enter the kingdom of God. I can't depend on that. He's got to do something in me, throw away the parts in me that, that want to run the show or want to be independent and instead depend on him by praying to him and saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this on my own. I have nothing to bring to the table. The thing, in, the, in God's salvation plan, the thing I have to bring, bring to the table is sin. That's what I have to bring to the table. Everything else, him. Everything else is him. That is what I need, what we need desperately. That's what we need desperately. And I love, in the songs, in the songs that they picked for today, is perfect songs because it, 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 it puts out this idea that, I don't have any other options. Nothing but the blood of Jesus is going to help this It's help this situation. I don't know if you've... When you're in a situation and you've gone through all the things that you're trying to do to make it work and it won't work, when the thing that will work shows up, you are ecstatic. As I was getting ready for this message, um, one of the phrases that that came up that I thought about, and I wanted to share with you, and it was disturbing to me, so... I want to share it with you. Um, is this phrase that many of you know, most of us have heard before? Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, again, you, you've probably heard that before. Um, is you know is the idea that power will make you bad, and, and absolute power um, will you know when no one can challenge you will fully and. Completely make you, make you terrible in, in some way. Um, so the phrase comes from, uh, from an English nobleman, nobleman uh, named John Acton, Lord John Acton. And here's what he wrote in a letter. The exact words he wrote is this um, Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad men. Um, and, and he says this because he's seen it. This is what this is the life that he had seen. You know, when when kings and people like that were ruling uh, at that time, he would see them. You know, be these guys that he, he interacted with, but they would rise to power, and he would see. Them, he'd feel like they'd just become these terrible, terrible, terrible people, and they become tyrants. That and he say, great men. And again, we most for the most part we would agree with that. We, this is what we've seen, well, you know, and what we see in culture today, or we see, you know, people po- politically, or we've seen it play out. Let me share this thought with you. You know, I don't think power power corrupts, and I don't think absolute power corrupts you absolutely. I don't think power, I don't think that's, that uh, power just reveals who you already were. Power just reveals who you already were, what was already there. When you have the power and no one can stop you from doing what was already in your heart and the truth is it's already been there (laughs) You just haven't had the opportunity to express it. But now that you have the power, you can do whatever you want. When you have the power, you have what you need to express what's in your heart. And, and, and many of us, if, you know, I, I, so when I was writing this, I was going to write all of us, but I, I, I won't because all is such a... So I'll write many of us, but I probably really mean all of us. Um, if, we, if we were under the right amount of pressure, and we had the opportunity, and we had enough power, we would find ourselves becoming someone like Lord Acton's talking about. If we were under enough pressure, and we had the opportunity, and we had enough power to execute it, we would become... Maybe you don't agree with that. And... and, um, in 2012, the Journal of Applied Psychology had this article in it about power and evil. Um, and they did some research and some experiments on people. And this is the go through, they go through this whole big thing. And then at the end, at the end of their article, this is what they say <clears throat> Power doesn't corrupt, it heightens pre existing ethical tendencies. And, and, and in Titus 3, Paul goes through my, my ethical tendencies. He, 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 he lists them out, um, these the pre-existing things that are in me. In fact, in another place, he says it like this. He says, things were so bad, Daryl, you were dead in your sins. And Paul uses this really strong language to make the situation clear. And when we read it, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't sound very clear to you, so let, let, me, I'm gonna say, let me say it like this. He doesn't say that you're sick. He doesn't say that you're really, really sick. Because when you're sick or you're really, really sick, then, you know, you, there's still hope. So I shared with you, some of you guys last week, that um, my uncle recently passed away. Uh, and he had stage four cancer. Cancer. So um, as, as soon as he got the diagnosis, they, they moved him pretty quickly to keeping him comfortable um, and helping those of us, you know, who are going to be left behind process his death. Um, so while we while, while my family's in the hospital, you know, we got this. They, they gave us this gigantic room, and so our family could come on a regular basis. So typically, there are like you know five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people in the room all the time, sitting there with them waiting. People would come in, and they would say things to us like, "Oh, we're we're praying for his recovery." Um, we we're praying that he gets better and, and even though my uncle wasn't conscious they would go up to his bed and say come on, and his name's Reggie oh, come on Reggie, you can do it you can get out of here, we still need ya and they, they, would, they would say things like that you know, over and over again and again, I, that's fine with me if they wanted to say that, that's fine if that made them feel better, I'm okay with that I, you know, but the, the, our, the, our family sitting back there you know, we were like here's the interesting thing at his funeral, which was a week ago yesterday, at his funeral, guess what? None of those people showed up saying, come on, Reggie, you can do it. You can pull through. Nobody said that at the funeral. Isn't the same God you're praying to who, who could make him, who gets heal him from stage four cancer, the same guy who could raise him from the dead? So how come you don't show up at the funeral saying, hey, Reggie, come on, you you could do it. Here's why. And this this is why Paul said, he doesn't say you're sick to death in your sins. He comes up and he says, you are dead in your sins. And ain't no rehab or ain't no, there's nothing that's going to help you. You're going to be dead. And I am going to have to ask God to get involved and raise you from the dead. And when I approach my sins, I don't think of it that way. I think of it as, if I try really hard, I can get out of this. Like, like I need rehab. I don't need rehab. I need rewashing. I need rebirth. When Jesus shows up and says, ain't nobody getting to the kingdom of God unless he's born again. I can't make that happen. Jesus, is like, Correct. You can't make that happen. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And this is why Paul's using such strong language. You are dead. And in our, in our culture in America, we like to think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly good, even though I do some bad things. He's like, no, no. And this is why, this is why America misses the message of the gospel, because if you can't start with the idea that you're dead, then why do you? You don't need to be raised from the dead. You don't, you don't need to be saved from anything. It's so, so, so important that we begin with this idea. We are dead in our sins. And if, and if given the right amount of power and pressure and opportunity, we would see that our sins are greater than we can imagine. And it's so very important that we believe this. And if we don't, grace doesn't make sense. The cross doesn't make sense. If you think we're good, when Jesus shows up to save us, we would like, save us from what? But if we understand our situation, it's a beautiful, if you understand your situation, look, I, nothing but the blood of Jesus is going to help this situation. Nothing but the blood of Jesus is going to help me in this situation. The kindness and love of God, our Savior appeared. He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the, through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, because we couldn't do it. He put, when, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This, this is a trustworthy saying. And yes, he has to put that at the end because people are like, oh, I don't know if that's true. No, 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 no. This is a trustworthy saying. Don't trust your feelings. Don't trust what you think. Don't trust your, your intuition. This saying, you trust that. You trust that. This is what we talked about last week. God's love and kindness show up at the, just at the right moment. In another verse, he says this. He says, just at the right time when we are still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. And not because of what we had done, because he's gracious. He made us new so that we might have the hope of eternal life. And Paul finishes his statement by saying, this is true. You can bet on it. Bet your life on it. Push your chips in and say, I'm betting my life on this. And then Paul goes on to say this. I want to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful Careful to devote themselves to doing what's good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. So, I love, I love what he says. I want to stress these things. I want to, I want to stress what I've been saying about grace. I want to make it clear. I want to, I want to, I I want you to focus on them. I want you to lean into them. Uh, I'm saying this is this is what our grace stories are all about. I want to stress these grace stories. I want you to think about. Take time and set aside and say, "I want to think about how God's been so very gracious to me in infinite amount of ways." Stress that in your life. Think about in that. Dwell on it so that that can bring out something in you that wouldn't be there if you didn't think about that. This is why I'm, I'm, I'm drawing you in. I'm, I'm begging you. Write these things down. Think about. Th- think about. Like Jaeger said, think about what God's done graciously to you. Make them clear. Stress them. And when you do, then you will be careful. In your life, you wake up and you like, whoa, I want to be super careful and cautious. When I wake up, I'm not often not careful. Not careful to do anything except what I want to do. He says, no, no, I want you to be I want to stress these things so that makes you be like, I want to wake up today and be super careful that everything I do responding to that grace. We used to live by the desires in our heart. That was no good. So we switched to like, you know, maybe that was no good for you. So you switched to trying to be good or do what people in your life wanted you to do. Maybe what culture wants you to do or church wants you to do or follow the 10 commandments or things like that. And you can't do that. So, for Jesus followers, if we're willing to stress, stress to ourselves the importance of God's grace in our lives, God says this. This is what he says. If you do that, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Again, that word careful. So, if you're willing to do what I say or just, you know, this, this idea that I'm asking you to do if you're willing to stress the grace of God in your life and think about that and lean into it and write it down and dwell on it and meditate on it, if you're willing to do that then God's going to do this, he's going to do this for you he's going to do this for you which you can't do on your own I will give you a new heart put a new heart in you, I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you sometimes God needs to move me to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God saves us and makes our hearts new. He aspires us to desire what we'd have never wanted on our own. Never, wanted, never could have done on our own. We become devoted to doing what's good. We're moved to following, following Him, following what He wants instead of doing what we want. We, and we want to be, we, we, we wake up wanting to be careful to do everything He says. So, summary we've been a mess and Paul wants us to to stress what a mess we've been and we can't fix it. But he wants us to also stress it just, just, just at the right time. I love when people show up at just the right time. At just the right time. I've shared with you some of you guys before. Um, Often when I was in college, Dating someone who was white, for, you know, was, it was just on the edge of, of becoming more accepted, but there's still lots of people. And so often when I would be out with, with people I was dating, people would, they would yell things at me, sometimes inward, sometimes, you know, you know, date your own kinds, things like that. And I would never, almost ever be with my people. It always be when I was alone, just with that person. I, it would never happen where I, they would get I, they would yell those things and then you know I'd be like twelve dudes with me like okay let's do this let's what Jesus is saying is this idea you're out and about. Somebody is yelling at you and wanting to fight you and up in your face and they're stepping up on you. And as soon as they get right up in your face, your boys come out from the bathroom, like all surrounding you. And you're like, this is exactly the right time (laughs) for you guys to show up. So glad you're here. Jesus is saying this. You were in the most desperate situation. You were about to get your butt kicked and just at that right time i showed up right behind you i said let's do this let's take this on that is super good news and because he showed up at that time with that timing that makes you want, let me let me just i want to remember that one time where jesus saved, he showed up just at the right time to save me let me dwell on that. Let me think about that. When you do that, he gives you a new heart to want to devote yourself to doing what is good. So before I end today, I want to, I want to be specific about some of the good that Paul's asking us to be about, devote ourselves to, that God's going to inspire you towards. And so and let, me, let, me, let me bring this up to you. So I'm going to give you a list of things to do, you know, good things to do. And that's, that's normally what we do at church. Okay, do the good things. And what you might want to do is jump to just doing the good things. Don't jump to the good things. Start with the grace. Start with the grace. Remember his grace. And he's going to inspire you to doing the good things. Those of you guys who've been doing that, here. So in the first, in the first verse of chapter three of Titus, Paul tells us, remind your people of what is good. So as a pastor, um, sometimes you know, when I get to speak to you every week, I feel a lot of pressure to come up with, New things, you know. Some of you guys have been Christians your whole lives. I got to tell you something new that you've never heard before, or tell you something that you, you know. And, and Paul said, no, "No, no, no. Here's what I want you to do: remind your people of what is good. Remind them of things they already know. Remind them of remember, remember when God said this. Come back to that. This is this is my job, and not, this isn't just my job. This is your job." remind we're supposed to remind each other of what is good do you do that i think it's interesting that that paul tell, doesn't tell titus to remind everyone in the world what's good he says remind your people of what is good you got people remind them of what's good remind them of what's good Two, uh, always be under the authority and rulers of government <laughs> government leaders. Uh, always, <laughs> wow, that's a strong statement. So let me let me say this: our submission, our, our submission to our leaders, our submission to our leaders should be so so very common. So it, it should be so typical that when there's an occasion where we have to say I can't do that, that it will give our leaders pause and say, Whoa. I mean, if Daryl's not with me on this one, man, maybe. I mean, usually he's so loyal. Usually he's so submissive. Usually he goes right under my leadership. And does, but if he's not with me on this thing, maybe I should step back and think about that. Number three: speak no, speak evil of no one. This is hard, right? I'd love for you just to, just to <laughs> those of you guys who have been inspired by his grace, just to focus on this one today. Catch yourself, anytime you're about to say anything, something that smells evil, don't do it. Don't say it. Don't say it. And, and, and honestly, we're going to need each other, we're going to need to do number one. We're gonna need to, I'm going to need to remind, you're going to need to remind me, <laughs> remind your people, speak evil of no one. Remember what Daryl said this morning on Sunday? Speak evil of no one. Speak evil of no one. Famous people, your friends, your family, I don't care. Speak evil of no one. And, and, and let me, say, and, I, and I should say this, just I want to always in church remind you this doesn't mean, you know, someone has done something horrifically terrible to you. You can't report them or talk about that. It's clearly, this doesn't mean that. Or this doesn't mean that you've suffered some kind of terrible thing and you can't think through this or work through it with, a, you know, it doesn't mean that. I think, what it, I think what he's talking about is the kind of useless complaining that we do about people in our lives that we don't like. And certainly, you know the difference. Don't do it. Don't speak evil to no one. And then, number, number four, be gentle and polite to everyone. Instead of speaking evil, invent ways to be gentle and polite to everyone. So, um, think of it this way. Think of it this way. Um, when a part of your body um, hurts, you treat it gently. Right? You, uh, you baby it so it won't hurt more unnecessarily. So imagine if, if you, uh, you broke your forearm and, and you're in a lot of pain, you get to emergency um, and the doctor comes in he says, hey, what's wrong with you? And he says, I think I broke my forearm. And he grabs you by the elbow and says, oh, let me see. You'd be super angry, right? Because what you're expecting is for the doctor to treat you gently, because you're injured. And it's actually what are you mad? What are you so mad about? You know, I I do this all the time, it doesn't hurt me. You say, I'm injured, treat me gently. You know this, right? And we're always surprised when you find out. Everybody, everybody, everyone you deal with today has been injured in some way. Walking around injured by their parents or their friends or how somebody's treated them, and you don't know. You just don't know. And since we don't know, we deal gently, expecting that they are injured, because they probably are. Expecting that when, when, they, when they respond to you in a way that's kind of gross, like, ah, you remember. They're injured. that makes sense, that they would act that way. I'm going to deal gently with them. Let God's grace inspire you to deal gently with people in your life who've been hurt by the lives of others. So as we take communion together today, uh, think through what Paul is, is trying to tell us here in Titus so we've been a mess. Some of you guys are a mess right now. If, if, if we knew all the details of your life or you wanted to say them and you just think about them you're a mess. You need to pause and dwell on what a mess you're in so that it's clear that you're dead in your sin and you need someone. You're Nothing but the blood of Jesus is going to be able to save you or help you or you can't comb it out. You're not going to get it out. At just the right time, God's grace has shown up. And so maybe it's today. Today's the first time that you realize that his grace is the only thing that's going to help you or save you. i dwell on that. Start with that. Start with that. Begin with that. If you guys have been following along with me in this series and along this way, then you've already done that. And then you need to take one of these four things and you need to dwell on it. Pick one. Get, say, I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to, be reminding that my, the people, I'm remind, remind my people, man, this is what we need to live up to. Or I'm going to speak no evil. I'm going to deal gently with people. I'm, I'm going to, or I'm going to always be under. There's somebody in your life you need to submit to that you are not submitting to. Pick one. So uh, let's pray together as we commit to doing these things. Um, during communion, uh, there'll be a, a there'll be a slide up where uh, we'll, these will stay up there, and you'll be able to think on those things. Let's pray together, dear Father. Uh, in, in Titus 3, it makes it, makes it clear that uh, your grace has shown up at just the right time to save us. And there's no one or nothing that can be done to, to raise us from the dead apart from you. There's nothing that can be done to to make that happen, and so all the well wishing and all the all the rehab or all the the good the good things that we try to do, they're not gonna they're not gonna measure up. They're not gonna work. So I, I pray that we would just embrace that. We would say, "Yeah, I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you desperately." And then embrace that hold on to that and maybe we need to just we've done that in our past in our lives and we just need to dwell on that and think about yes i've done that i've agreed with jesus that we that i need him and and here's all the ways he's shown up for me then and change our hearts change our hearts desire to follow your word to do what you ask inspired by your grace to do what you ask start with these things that are that are here in, in, in titus 3 Bring up to each of us the thing that will matter most in our lives or that will make, bring, uh, make the most movement in our trust of you. We want to be about your business. During this time of communion, um, help us to dwell on your grace and have, have that inspire us towards your works. In Jesus' name, amen.